Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning, City Walk Church. Good evening, online church. Are you guys excited about the Bucks winning today? Can I just get one person to be excited with me? All right, I let, let me get that. You know the you know the preacher's not going to go long today. When just get oh wow that that's hurtful man that's hurtful. Uh, no, it's uh, it's uh, going to be a good day for the Bucks. I hope, but uh, it's good to be here and hope you've had a really good week. One of the things that uh, whether you're watching online or whether you're here with us this morning that probably you do about the first of the year, and we're, we're you know, three, three, four weeks into the, the new year, is uh, you probably, like I do, try to think through maybe one or two things. Maybe you come up with a bigger list of ways that you want to maybe grow and change in a new year. And I know for me, I try each year to, to come up with a few things and uh, usually ask my wife, hey, what's the list I need to change? Not really, but uh, her list, she's so gracious, though. Uh, she's been in Florida all weekend, and so I've been doing just me and Kate and the dogs. If you've ever been to our house, we have a farm. Not really, but it seems like a farm. Uh, and so, but but one of the things that uh, that's to- that was totally off subject. One of the things that I tried to uh, kind of change and do some different things this year was in the area of social media. Uh, I-, I found out that for me, I've, one of the things that would happen was by default. If I was waiting in a line or if there was any downtime, I found that I was always going to social media and scrolling. And so, man, I found that instead of talking to people in line or, or hanging out with people or doing things, anytime there was downtime, I just I would go to social media and just scroll, see what was going on. And so I said, all right, in this new year, one of the things I want to change is I want to uh, do a little bit better with that. And so Instead of just having my, my social media where I can you know, flip through it all the time, now I've set up some different times in my week to do that so that it doesn't become my default. And, and whether you're a, a fan of social media or maybe you uh, hate it, all of us can admit that it's a very powerful tool in our culture. One of the ways that, in just one of the many ways that the the social media and the different avenues of social media has changed our culture is it's really changed what we even think a person who influences really is. The the word influencer doesn't mean the same thing that it meant 15 or 20 years ago. The the word influencer has been changed and in some ways kind of hijacked by social media. And basically now the word influencer means, hey, you get paid to wear somebody's clothes, you get paid to advertise something because you have such a platform and a following on social media, you are are paid by companies to wear their stuff and take pictures because you're an influencer. 
And while probably every single one of us would not turn down somebody sending us free clothes that we already like and wearing them and getting paid to wear them to, you know, take pictures, probably for, for all of us, we would say, you know what? Influence goes a little deeper than that, at least I hope. I hope that, that being an influencer and influence goes a little bit farther than maybe a platform and focuses more on people. In social media, to be an influencer, you have to have a platform. But in, in life, if you're going to really influence people at a deeper level, it goes way beyond having a platform. It goes to serving people and the people that are in your life. And, and we all know that. But yet, in our, our culture, many of us focus on the platform we can build instead of the people we can serve because we've been told that's how we can be an influencer. And what's, what's great about this is this isn't a new problem. And in fact, Jesus, when he walked the earth, had a lot to say about influence. He had a lot to say about influence, and in many ways, Jesus turned the idea on its head. He turned the idea of influence on its head because of how the culture was in that day. When Jesus came on the scene, he had a different picture, and he had much different teaching about what really it was to be an influencer. And one of the things that Jesus taught was this, the power of influence is determined by the posture of the heart. It's the, the, the power of influence isn't determined by a platform, but it has a lot more to do with what's going on inside. And this drove the religious leaders, it drove the powerful people of that day crazy. Because in Jesus' day and, and when he walked this earth and when he really turned the idea of influence on its head, the, the way you got influence in this society was you got influence by position and social status. And so when Jesus came on the, on the scene and started to talk about how influence had a lot more to do with what's going on on the inside than on the outside, man, this made the powerful people angry and frustrated because they did everything they could to stay away from what was on the inside, just make sure the outside was okay. But then Jesus, and, and whether you grew up in church or not, you've probably heard some of this teaching. Jesus, one day with some of his disciples and a few of his other followers, he began to teach in a way of thinking and in a way of living that was totally different and really changed the idea of what influence is. And if you have a Bible, it's in Matthew chapter 5. And like I said, whether you grew up in church or not, you've probably heard the word, the Beatitudes. And Jesus, he laid out a new way of thinking. He laid out a new way of living that would now influence people in a totally different way. And it was so contrary to what the people of the day taught. It says, he says this in, in Matthew chapter 5, as Jesus repackages what it really means to be an influencer, it says this. It says, blessed or, or happy are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. This idea of being poor in spirit is, is somebody that says, hey, I'm unable to fix myself. I need someone's help. That's what poor in spirit is. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit. He's, he goes on in verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, 
for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble. The the word humble, gentle or meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Jesus was teaching this in a society that people did not hunger and thirst for righteousness. They hungered and thirsted for power, prestige, fame. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. This idea of pure in heart, it basically, it means this. It means people that are free from duplicity. People that are free from, hey, I live this way in front of one crowd, and I live this way in front of another crowd. Jesus says, no, 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 no. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, who are free from that type of living. Blessed are the peacemakers, not peacekeepers, peacemakers. There's a difference. For they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And as Jesus is teaching this, and maybe even as you're you're sitting here listening or you're watching online, you think, what? I mean, really? This might play well like in scripture, and this might play well in Bible stories, but but you really expect somebody to live like this? This idea of humility and mercy and purity and, and being willing to take persecution and being a peacemaker, that means entering conflict on purpose to try to bring peace to it? Where does the idea of influence play itself out in that type of life? I've, culture teaches me basically to avoid all those things. That a lot of those things are weakness. Why would you enter conflict to make peace? Just stay out of the drama. Why would you be, be humble, merciful? Yeah, you play that part when you have to, but really be that inside? Where does influence play itself out in that type of life? And Jesus, what he does in the next few phrases, he actually gives us two illustrations that we understand 2,000 years later and the people of that day would understand really well. And two illustrations that helped us understand what it's like to influence with a heart like he's just described. And the two things he, he illustrates are salt and light. He says this in verse 13. He's Remember, he's just... He's just said, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the pure in heart. And then as he's talking to these people, he goes on in verse 13 and he says this. You are the salt of the earth, but the salt should lose its taste. How can it be made salty? But if the salt loses its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So salt, we all understand what salt is. And in in this day and age, and even in our day and age, salt, we use it for a few things. We use it to enhance flavor. Everybody's family has that one person that like has like their food and salt, and it's more salt than food. That was my dad and our family. Like he would salt everything to the max, and now my daughter tries to do that. And so salt is, it's a food enhancer. But then it also, it acts as a preservative. And we don't use it as much like that now, but back then it was because they didn't have refrigeration. They would use salt as part of the way to preserve food. 
And Jesus says after he's just taught that, hey, mercy and humility and peacemaking and pure in heart, blessed are those types of people. He says, hey, by the way, you are the salt of the earth. If you stop being salty, if you stop, if salt loses its purpose, it doesn't go well. Because 2,000 years ago, the people Jesus was talking to, and, and us today, is, whether we're watching online or here this morning, we've been given this same role. And throughout history, and you know this, throughout history, some of the greatest movements of compassion, some of the greatest movements of people stepping into darkness and pushing back the darkness and pushing back the evil and bringing compassion and bringing what is preservation and hope have been done by followers of Jesus. One of, one of those people is a lady by the name of Gladys Allward. Gladys, she was born in England in 1902. And from an early age, Gladys, man, she wanted to be a missionary. She felt very led from an early age to be a missionary to China. And so she kind of went the track that you were supposed to go to be a missionary. She went to a missionary school and she failed. She was told, hey, you're not qualified. You're not going to be able to do this. You're not going to be able to hang with this. You're just not the, you don't have what it takes to be a missionary. But this, this girl, and you'll find out if you read through her story, she doesn't take no for an answer. She's tenacious. And so what she does is she, on her own, she raises enough money so that she can pay her own way a train ticket to go to China. And so she does. She's a maid, and she raises, spends you know, as much time as she needs to to make the money she needs to so she can get on a train and go to China because she said, I'm supposed to be a missionary there whether they tell me I'm qualified or not. And so she got to China, and when she first arrived, she ran, uh, she ran a little inn for a while. And it was at this inn, and I hope that you'll read her story, that she used this opportunity at the inn, just running this little inn, to share Jesus with bunches of people. She also, during that time, she, she rescued hundreds and hundreds of orphans, and she began to be respected in that community, began to be respected by the, the village kind of government, until one day the, the governor called her and, and said, hey, Gladys, we have a huge problem at the prison. There's a prison riot going on, and we need you to come and go in and stop it. Again, this is a lady that is not really like a warrior. She's not like armed. But yet the governor, instead of sending his soldiers in, said, Gladys, we need you to come. And so she, she comes and meets with the governor. And she's like, why, why would you ask me to do this? Do you not like me? Are you trying to kill me? Like, why are you asking me to go in there? Why aren't you sending your own people in there? Like, if I go in there, this thing's not going to go well. And I'll see you guys in heaven, I hope, because that's where I'm going to be going. And the governor said, Gladys, you've taught us that God is always with you and that God lives inside you. And if that's true, then you're the one that's supposed to go in there because you're the only one that can stop it. Jesse's like, dang, man, now, now what do I do? I can't, can't not do it now. Uh, so she, she does. She said, okay, you're right. And, and she goes in like, man, I wish I wouldn't have taught that lesson yet. But, but I did, so I'm going to go in. And she does. She goes in, and this is, this is a 
riot going on in the prison. And so she gets into the prison, and the first thing she sees is a uh, prisoner coming at her with an axe. As there's dead bodies laying around her, and she does what only she knows how to do and says, Stop! Put the axe down! And the guy did, thank God. And basically what Gladys did is she began to talk with the prisoners and she realized why they were so frustrated and she became a big part of prison reform even in that society because she was in there. And here's what's really cool about Gladys is when World War II happened, Gladys, she would go and she was there to rescue. She wanted to rescue a lot of orphans and that guy that had had the axe that was coming after her after she had kind of put the prison riot to bed and that was all over, she would go visit that guy every single day in the prison. And so when World War II was taking place and they evacuated the prisoners and they were evacuating the area, it was this guy that had the axe that actually helped her rescue a bunch of orphans. And it was because this little lady that said, you know what, I've been called to be salt. I'm going to go to this area. It's dangerous. I'm not qualified, but I'm going to go and I'm going to bring hope. I'm going to bring preservation. And that's exactly what she did. And Jesus says to the people, he says, hey, you want to hear about influence? Blessed are those who are merciful. Blessed are those who are humble. Blessed are those who are pure in heart. Those type of people are salt. And then he goes on and he says, not only are they salt, but he says, he uses another illustration that everyone understands. He says, you're the light of the world. You're a city situated on a hill that cannot be hidden. See, see light, and we know this, is meant to shine and give direction. And the individuals that Jesus described in those first few verses where he was talking about mercy and purity... These are the type of people that their light gives direction to other people. And he says, Jesus says, you, you want to talk about influence? You be salt. You preserve. You bring hope into the darkness. But then you be light. You be a person by their light, by their life, and by their words that give hope, that give direction to other people. And you've seen this in your own life probably. If you're a follower of Jesus, man, you, you have some people in your life. They will not invite you to the party. But when their life's a wreck, they're calling you. They don't want you coming to their stuff because you're, you're a Jesus follower. But man, when their life turns upside down, they look to you. They look to your life because you're light in their, in their, their world. You're, you're light and, and your life gives direction to them. And, and Jesus, as he's... he's talking and he's talking to his disciples and followers he says no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket but rather they put it on a lampstand and it gives light for all who are in the house in the same way let your light shine you're like that's what I'm talking about I am all about my light shining uh yeah I'm good I mean obviously my light needs to shine a lot to help people and 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 then Jesus goes on he says let your light shine and then in the very next phrase, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. See, let your influence shine. Let your life be salt and light. So that when people look at you, when your life gives them direction, 
when you enter evil areas and you push back the darkness, that when they see that, when they see your good works, they don't look at you and think, wow, we're impressed with him. They, they look at God and they're impressed with God. See, Jesus, as he's talking, he's, he's, he's talking about something that is totally against the norms of the culture. Like, who does stuff and doesn't want the credit for it? I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, when you do something good, like, you know you're not supposed to want the credit, but you usually don't turn down a pat on the back. I mean, none of us do. Like, uh, and there, I don't think there, there's anything wrong with being thankful that someone's thankful for you, but, but this whole idea of influence in our culture and even in the culture of that day, it was all about, hey, man, power and about you know, position and about doing things that might look good on the outside, but the goal is to bring notoriety and platform to me. And, and Jesus, as he's teaching, he's saying, no, 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 there's a whole different way to do this. See, your, your salt and your light and your, the reason you do that, the reason you enter those, those places that are dark and push back the darkness, the reason you give direction with your life is not so people will look at you and be impressed, so they will look to God and be impressed. Which brings us back to the statement that we said earlier, the power of influence is determined by the posture of the heart. The power of influence is determined not by the platform, not by how many people are impressed with me, but the power of influence is determined by what's going on on the inside. And, and you might, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, you might push back on that. I mean, you might push back a little bit on that and, and you say, man, you know what? That, that sounds cute. It really does. That sounds cute. But it really doesn't play out well in life. I get it. Yeah, my heart should be good and I should do things for the right reasons. And yeah, that is, that's cute. That probably would look great on a banner. But it's not real life. And I, I get it. Because when we try to be successful, let's be honest. When we try to be successful and we try to have influence in people's life, there's a lot of me in that scenario. There's a lot of me in the motives for why I'm trying to influence. And I could say I'm doing it for this reason or that reason, but at the end of the day, I'm trying to benefit myself. And I'm guessing that you are too. So, which is really good because that part's not good, but here's why it's good because Jesus, he doesn't just talk about this. Like it would be if he just ended it and he just, all we had was his teaching, it would be tough. But, but we don't just have his teaching, we have his life. And, and the writers of the gospel wrote down what he said, but they also wrote down how he personally lived this out, which is beautiful because, man, teaching is great, but to see somebody really live this truth out changes the game. And Jesus did that. I mean, you could choose many, many stories, but just, just to choose a few, think about in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, a, a religious leader, very important and powerful religious leader, comes to see Jesus. His name is Nicodemus. 
And Nicodemus has seen Jesus. He's, he's seen that Jesus does things differently, teaches differently, lives differently, hangs out with different people. And, and he knew that Jesus had something he didn't have and he was intrigued. And so he put his reputation on the line. Because to even go visit Jesus would put his reputation on the line. He went at night. He went at night to sit down with Jesus and to ask Jesus some questions. And it's, and it's in that conversation that we hear the, the famous words in John chapter 3, verse 16. Jesus says this to Nicodemus, For God loved the world in this way. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Nicodemus, we don't know if it was that night or if it was later on, but we know Nicodemus became a follower of Jesus because he had watched Jesus' life. He had seen that Jesus was different. His life gave just different direction, and he was exactly what he was telling other people to be. He was salt. He was light. He was different. And that intrigued Nicodemus to the point where he put his reputation on the line. And then when Jesus was killed... When he was crucified, Nicodemus was one of the people, again, that he put his reputation on the line for this, that went to the rulers and said, hey, can we get his body? We want to go bury it in a proper way. Because he was a follower of Jesus, because Jesus was different. But, but in John 4, the very next chapter, you kind of have the, the whole kind of go, go the opposite way. So you have this religious leader who's kind of followed Jesus, listened to Jesus, has seen him live these principles out and just needs what Jesus has. But then you come across this lady in John chapter four, that's been married five times. I mean, that's a busy lady and she's actually with a sixth guy and she's probably fairly young. So, I mean, she, she's with six different people and Jesus is, is tired from traveling and so he decides that he's going to go into Samaria and go to what was the old school coffee shops they called them wells it'd be like you and I saying you know what I want a cup of coffee so I'm going to go to the worst part of town the part of town where people hate people like me and I'm going to go to that Starbucks and hang out that's what Jesus did. He went to the part of town that Jews were not supposed to go to. Samaritans didn't like Jews. Jesus goes, he, he, he meets up with this lady, and he begins to talk to her, which was totally not normal because in this society, people, Jewish people didn't talk to Samaritans, and men didn't talk to women. And so he broke a bunch of social norms to just talk to this lady. And this lady realized there's something different about this Jesus. And from her conversation with Jesus, from the light, from the salt that he was just right there at the well, this lady began to follow Jesus. And what's awesome is Jesus' influence led to this woman who had zero platform influencing her town because of the change that happened inside her. In verse 28, you see what happens. It says, then the woman left her water jar. She had talked to Jesus. Her life was transformed. She, she left her water jar. She went into town and told the people. 
And what happened at verse 39 says, Now many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified. And so you have this, this woman who is so ashamed of her lifestyle that she doesn't even go to the well when normal people do. She goes in the middle of the day so nobody will see her. She comes across this guy named Jesus. He begins to talk to her, which is totally abnormal. He begins to show her love and grace. She follows him and immediately goes back into her town to the people she's usually embarrassed to talk to and brings him to Jesus. And many in her town believed in Jesus because of her influence that was influenced by Jesus. Matthew 27. Jesus is crucified. He's crucified by soldiers who are really good at crucifying people. One of those soldiers is a centurion. A centurion is somebody who is a leader in the Roman army. He oversees at least a hundred men. And he was probably professional killer. Like he, this crucifixion thing was something he was really good at. It probably, he didn't lose any sleep over it. It was just what they did and they were great at it. And he and his group of men were charged with standing guard where Jesus was crucified. And so you see Jesus in a moment of excruciating pain on the worst few moments of his life. And yet this soldier saw Jesus be gracious and loving and care about the people that were on the crosses next to him and cared for his mom. And I mean cared for the people. Ask God, God, don't, don't, don't hold this against these guys that did this to me. Forgive them. And the soldier, the centurion, at the end of all this, when Jesus died, this was that soldier's response because of Jesus' influence. It says this in uh, Matthew 27. It says, truly this man was the son of God. The soldier, after he saw Jesus interact. He saw Jesus go through all that he was going through. He had seen this many, many times. He was probably calloused by it. Yet when he saw Jesus and how Jesus handled this and how Jesus loved, all he could say is this, this guy, he had to be who he said he was. He had to be the son of God. He was changed by, and he, he may never have had a conversation with Jesus. He just was there and saw it all take place. See, Jesus' influence on the outside flowed from who he was on the inside. It, it was not focused on a platform to leverage, but people to serve. And it was his influence that transformed people like religious leaders, like prostitutes, like soldiers, like tax collectors. His own brother was transformed by his influence. And Jesus, as he's teaching on this idea of influence, he says, you know what? I'm going to turn this whole idea on its head because blessed are those who are merciful. Blessed are those who are pure in heart. Blessed are those who are peacemakers. And if you live that type of life, you'll be salt. You'll be light. You'll have influence. Whether you're a person of faith or maybe you're somebody that's investigating faith. Maybe you're watching online. If we're all honest, every single one of us wants to be important and wants to be influential. I mean, you, you want to matter. 
You, you want people to care. And I don't think that's wrong to, to have those desires, to, to want to influence people. But, but when you think about influence and you think about our society, man, it's what Jesus is talking about and how, how we influence each other and how influence plays out in our culture and our society, and they just don't add up. And so because we want influence, because we want to be important, we kind of run the play the culture tells us to run. We, we, we build the bank account because that's what we're told is important to do. We, we grow the social media platform. We, we fill up the resume with the right jobs. We surround ourselves and put ourselves in places where we're around the right people. We, we put on a, a, a good front in all the right rooms. We, we know how we're supposed to act in the different rooms we're in. We know how we're not supposed to act. And we do all that. And you know what? It actually works. It works a little bit. We're kind of successful at it. We actually gain a little bit of influence. And, and there's some people in your life that think you're important. But if we're honest, if we're really honest and if we really evaluate the depth and results of our influence, then probably it's a little shallower than what we probably hope for. Yeah, we've got the bank account. Yeah, we're, we're known by the right people. Yeah, we've got enough followers on social media. Yeah, yeah we have the right resume. And, and so some people think we're important. But, but if we really evaluate, like, is my influence affecting people's eternities and infecting them on a deep level? In most cases, when we look, we say, you know what? I don't know. I don't know if it's as, my influence is really what I hoped it would be. See, when Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world, it wasn't just a good idea. It wasn't just, hey, this might be an option. He meant this. He, he meant that people that were his followers would be the people in society that would act like salt and that they would, they would preserve, they would enter the darkness and they would push back the darkness and they would bring hope. He, he meant that people would actually be light in their neighborhood, in their workplace, so that people would look at their life and they, their life would give direction. Their words would bring hope and direction. He really meant that. He meant that teenagers at high schools and middle schools would actually live differently and have influence because of it. It wasn't just a good idea. And, and in some ways, Jesus bet the farm on us taking this opportunity and owning it. Here's what I mean. The scriptures say he could have he used the rocks to get his message out if he wanted to. He doesn't need people. But yet he gave people, he gave his followers the role of taking light and hope to the world. When he could have used other things, he decided, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put all my chips in on people and I'm going to ask them to take this into society and be light and be salt. That's what his program was so here's here's my question as we close what would your life look like this week if you moved into each day owning the calling on your life to be an influencer like it's not a good idea and it's not a hey one day I'll be that no if you walked into every single day and you owned the fact that you were called to be an influencer in your society 
that you were called by God to be salt, to be light. This wasn't something you just heard about at church. This was something that you said, this is what my life's going to look like. One thing that would change is, is we would put more time into the health of our heart than we do the size of our platform. Let me say that again. If we decided to own this thing, we would put a lot more time into what's going on with the health of our heart than we do the size of our platform. Let's be honest, we put a lot of time into our platform and probably not as much time into what's going on in our heart. And Jesus said, you want to be salt? You want to be light? You don't have to have a certain amount of followers on Instagram because honestly, the people around you don't need that. They need somebody that actually looks like Jesus in their life. And if you're going to look like Jesus, if I'm going to look like Jesus as a dad, as a husband, as a neighbor, as a pastor, as a, every other little role that I have, it's not going to matter what my platform is on social media because that's going to die with me. But what's going to matter is what's going on in my heart that then overflows into the lives of people. Which brings us back to the statement we started with. The power of influence is determined by the posture of the heart. If you and I really believe this, if you and I really owned this, just like Jesus, this has the potential to change everything for the people around us. Nicodemus was changed forever. The woman at the well was changed forever by a, by a few minutes of conversation with Jesus. The, the people in that, that lady city that, that came to see Jesus because what he did in, in her life, they're changed forever. And that didn't come down to a platform. That came down to Jesus being focused in on people. And because his heart was for people and his heart was in tune with what God was doing, it changed everything. So here's my challenge for you. I mean, if, if, you, wanted, if you wanted like, okay, how do I focus on my heart? That's a cool idea, but how does that really play out? Let me give you one practical idea. I challenge you to do this, and I think this one habit will help your heart this week, I promise. And, and here's, here's my challenge. For the next seven days, instead of focusing on what others think about, you put your focus on the health of your heart, and here's how you can do it. Instead of making your phone the first and last thing you look at in your day, Make your Bible the first and last thing you spend time with in your day. This thing right here used to ruin my devotions. Because you know what I would do? Check my email, check Instagram, check Facebook. It was right by my bed, and so I just, you know, checked all those. So if nothing bad was happening in those things, I had great devotions. But if something bad or I got an email I had to deal with, it jacked up my whole devotions because I would do that next. So you know what I started to do? This thing stays face down till I'm done spending time with God. And after that's over, I'll pick that thing up. And I, I challenge you. I challenge you for seven days. Leave your phone wherever you keep it until you've spent time with Jesus. And then before you go to bed, instead of checking all your stuff last, put your phone down and spend a few minutes in the Bible and just see, 
I bet you'll even sleep better if you put your time into your heart instead of your platform. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the example that you gave us. Uh, Lord, you taught us. You gave us incredible teaching. But Lord, then you lived that teaching out. You showed us how it worked in real life. And God, I pray for each person that's here or watching online. I pray that we would be people that are, are more focused on the health of our heart than the size of our platform. Because Lord, if, if we're more focused with the health of our heart, then we will use our platform to bring you glory instead of bringing us glory. And Lord, you're, you're not against platforms. You're not against influence. In fact, you're for it. In fact, that's what you want. You want us to be salt. You want us to be light. But Lord, in our flesh, we can get more focused on our platform and what other people think about us than we really should be. And so, God, I pray for each person that's here, whether they have been following you for a long time or maybe they're even investigating faith, I pray that they would take a step this week to put more time into the health of their heart than they do their platform, and what other people think about them. And God, I pray that your word and your spirit this week would heal, would encourage, would convict, would guide as we put more time into that than we do our platform. In Jesus' name, amen.